It's time now for another episode of Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith alongside with Paul Brillo. Paul, I think this is a, a we're going to break the mold here a little bit because the guy we're going to speak with, I don't think had any tackles. True, false? Yeah, as far as my stats uh, show, no, nothing. No catches? It's kind of like Lawyer Malloy in 01. Okay. Zero, 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 wow. zero. Wow. However, we say that not to denigrate. Oh, two, I guess it was. But to, um, but to celebrate, the OG writer for Patriots.com and Patriots Football Weekly. Yeah. You know him now as part of the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. Mike Reese joins us, ladies and gentlemen. And we are so happy to have you, Mike. Thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. We've come a long way from the coat closet <laughs> at Foxborough Stadium, where, which was my first office. So serious question, Mike. And you have a large following. People respect your work and everything like that. How many people do you think who follow you know where you actually started? Because you know, I mean, it tries it, to you hide don't that. hide from it, but you're also not sitting there. It, you don't have a flag out in front of your house about it. Don't you think people would be surprised to know where you started? Yeah, may- maybe a little bit just because it's so long ago, right? which is hard to believe. I mean, this goes back to 1997 was my first job out of college. I had graduated from UMass Amherst, and I actually, you're going to laugh at me, Paul. I know we're not on TV, but I brought this in for you to flip through. These are all my rejection letters that I got coming out of oh, college. I really do. I, I'm going to look at this afterwards. I, you, you got a couple minutes after. We, we, I, I'm interested in this. Because what, what, what do you do? I right? feel it. I feel you're, the pain. You're in college. You're like, hey, I want to work in sports media. I'm gonna, I want to be a newspaper reporter. So I sent out all my resumes to newspapers across the country. Maybe call it 200 resumes. Wow. 200 rejection letters come back. And I'm like, wow, how can this be? Like, I've had good experience in college at UMass and even before that at my local newspaper. Uh, And then as it turned out, um, my brother has a friend who who I knew through my brother. Dougie Fresh? Yes, Dougie Reese, who and the friend Neil Cohen, who went to summer camp with Fred Kirsch. And he said, well, yeah, I heard your brother's looking for a job, you know, graduating. He should reach out to, to Fred Kirsch. He's looking for an entry-level writer for Patriots Football Weekly. It's like a team newspaper that they have over at the Patriots. So I said, all That's right, I'll, I'll, reach out, I'll reach out to Fred Kirsch. And, guys, honestly, every time I see Fred, whether it's at a game or at the stadium, I, I wrap him up in a big hug because he was the only person – to offer me a job coming out of college and his decision as we sit here today i mean i can honestly tell you it changed my life yeah and and in all seriousness you know what what we call we joke around you know brian maury andy hart myself you know what we call fred the king the kingmaker that's the kingmaker and and it's not because he's trying to do anything special at fancy he's not trying to perform some kind of social experiment he just gives people opportunities and if they work hard and they and they earn it they go places. They've all gone places except for me. <laughs> but everybody else has really benefited from Fred. And I in, I can vouch for Mike because I've seen Mike uh, greet Fred every time the same way. And the best part of this story is if we fast forward from 97 to 99, when Mike decided he had gotten some experience here at the Patriots, moved on to his first job at a conventional newspaper traditional newspaper which at the time i think was metro west daily news exactly, right exactly yeah okay so who's ste- opening who stepped into his shoes how great is that big shoes to fill the real og i love it Paul. big <laughs> shoes to <laughs> me fill. big shoes to fill so mike here you are green is grass right 
Fred throws you your lifeline. I'm going to do this. What were you? What was your thinking here? You know, again, my guess is fresh-faced kid out of college. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to win a Pulitzer Prize. I'm going to do all these things. I'm working for the Patriots. What are we doing here? Can I break the Pete Carroll story? What like what can I do? What kind of eye-opening experience was it for you? I'm going to flip through the media guide to make sure that I'm telling you an accurate story. But our first trip, so we traveled with the team on the team plane, and our first trip was to Lambeau Field. Oh, a preseason game, I want to say. I remember 19, the game. 1997. Sure. So, like, right out of college, I think I had maybe taken one family vacation as a kid, you know, so I'm seeing a place. Hey, welcome to your new job. Let's go to Lambeau Field. Like, what's not to love? Oh, my God. And I'll never forget, this was the before iPhones, so we were just getting into video on the web. So Fred was with me af- at the end of the game, and he had a little video camera, and he goes, just uh, get down on one knee um, and just say something about the game, and we'll post it on Patriots.com. And you know, we're going to experiment with something called Patriots Cyber Sideline. And that's how we started. And like you say, what, what did you expect? What was it feel like? I'm at Lambeau Field. You're paying me money to be here. Did Lambeau mean as much to you as a, uh, as a 24, 25-year-old kid, or was it? Or do you think, do you wonder if you took it all in as a young, fresh-faced kid then? as a, You know, now, today, Mike Reese would genuflect when he goes to Lambeau Field. You, you probably could have put me in any stadium, and, and I would have felt fine? that way. However, when you hear about Lambeau Good. and you're in that environment, Good. it's that much more. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean— just thinking about some of those early days, and, and you know, so Mike and I had similar kinds of experiences, even though I was a couple of years after you know he had gone. Just how many things, and I'm not trying to like tell everybody like, oh, how great the Patriots are and the Patriots media, but there were so many things that the Patriots here between Jonathan Kraft and Fred Kirsch did first. You know, whether it was the website, first team website first uh, team video show that Mike just talked about, Patriot Cyber Sideline. Um, first all-color team-owned news- team owned and run newspaper. I mean, it's amazing how many things that they were at the forefront <laughs> Best of. Best TV show. <laughs> best team TV show. Excuse me. I didn't say best. I said first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. But, yeah, and, it, you know, and people are going to be able to tell by the way Matt and I sound. We have a lot of affection for the guy that's that's joining us today. Because well, he does it the right way. We have a lot of respect for the way he goes about doing the job Correct. as well. And I know Mike feels the same way about me. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. We're very good friends on and, and off the beat. And uh, th- that's why I think when you said to me, what do you think about having Mike in? This is going to be great. I think we're going to get a lot of good stories today. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, what was the most intimidating thing when you first started? Oh, Lambeau Field, that's kind of intimidating, right? You, the house that Lombardi built and everything like that, that's pretty intimidating. You know, when you're first going in there, okay, this is this is them coming off of Parcells. the Super Bowl loss and yep. Parcells and everything like that. What was your welcome? Was it was going to Lambeau, you're in the big leagues moment, or was there another moment in the locker room, training camp, or something like that where you said, okay, this is for real? So one story that really stuck with me was that first year, and we would pick who would win the games in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it's a team-owned newspaper. And, you know, you didn't want to necessarily 
always pick the Patriots because at that time the idea of a uh, Fred always picks the Patriots, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Fred makes sure that there's always one picking the Patriots. Right. Sixteen and zero season. <laughs> right. You know, at that point we hadn't lived through two thousand seven, right. and and I remember thinking to myself, like, for us to be taken seriously, like, we we have to we have to go with the other team. Credibility. So we and so for me, I probably didn't pick the right game to pick against them for the first time. But I think it was the game against the Jets when Bill Parcells was the coach. So that one hurts. First if it, of, the first Tuna Bowl. You know, well, and it was the, the first road one, right? right yeah, oh, the okay. first road one. So you picked I, him again in the home game. I think I did. Okay. Does that sound – I mean, you would – I, I think right? you've told me this yeah. story before, and I think I remember what happens. Uh, but and so, it's priceless. So, so they – that was the moment, Matt, where I actually started to question if I – if am I really cut out for this? Because I remember, you know, at that time – there was more of um, less of a wall put up between the players and the staff and the, the people who work for the team like myself. And uh, they used to bring the Patriots Football Weeklies down to the locker room and hand them out to the players. Get your own copy. And, <laughs> and I, could hear, I could hear from up in my cubicle, which was at that point like right outside ownership offices because the locker room was underneath us. Like, I could hear like almost like the newspaper getting crumbled up. and Oh, what, what is this? What is this? And they were... Like, some players were upset that I had picked against them. And so when I went down for the lo- the access, like, Jimmy Hitchcock, I remember specifically, was like, wouldn't answer my questions. And and I, I think part of it was playful. But at the time, I'm 21, 22 years old, and it felt heavy Personal. To me. I'm, I don't know if personal, but it felt heavy, almost like, do I have what it takes to stand up here and, and back what I put into the paper? Because in retrospect, I'm not sure it was the best game <laughs> to, to make my first pick against the Patriots, knowing the backstory there. And, and by the way, Mike was right, which made it w- probably worse. Yeah. And he ended up, the, the Jets ended up beating sure. the Patriots in that game. Yeah, I remember that. In that game. And um, I think that wasn't there one of the players that went up to you, like, really playfully? said i heard you did a bad thing little man that's right that's right i'm gonna stuff you in my locker <laughs> i think it was ferrick collins if oh, i remember Ferrick. right do you remember ferrick, <laughs> ferrick collins <laughs> scared the bejesus out of me one yes. day for something totally different but see and that's where i get nervous i'm like was was it ferrick because it's starting to be so long ago no, no, guys no. that it's right i was going to give you maybe henry thomas he would be another as, an other, as another candidate. could have been henry thomas you know henry thomas was great i like you you mention a name and i think of a story henry thomas we used to have a joke in the locker room like I think I'm going to keep a whole tin of breath mints in here because whenever I talk to you guys, <laughs> you know, you need you need some breath mints. You know, so it's like stuff like that, Matt. Like, and that's part of the fun no of question. being around a team for as long as you're, you say a player and you think of something funny or a different story like that. <laughs> right. So, Mike, I've been with you, I think, at owners' meetings um, where – and the format really hasn't changed. One day, Monday, say – the AFC coaches have a breakfast and a media availability. And on Tuesday, the NFC has a via availability and a media breakfast. And I remember being with you at one of these ones, whether it's out in the West or in Florida or something like that. And you had said to me, Matt, I'm going to stick around a little bit. I'm going to, I want to go over to the NFC. I want to say hi to Pete. And I'm sitting there going, you want to go over and say hi to Pete? And this is 30 years later or something like that. And you're up and Pete Carroll sees Mike Reese. And, of course, he goes up to him and gravitates to him because he remembers some 21-year-old little snot-nosed kid who used to cover him every single day when he was a coach of the Patriots. Yeah. And that tells me a little something 
about both people right. there. And Not know, just Mike, but Pete. When Mike had, had said, you know, back then there was maybe less of a wall between the team personnel and us, that's part of what, what I'm, I'm sort of remembering as well. And when I came in, you know, Brian, Brian Morey uh, at the time, you know, he took me around, introduced me to a lot of people. And he introduced me to Pete Carroll, and it was actually at training because I started kind of like hit the ground running. I started right as training camp was was getting ready to, to kick off. And he brought me over to Pete, you know, and Pete asked me a bunch of questions about myself and where I came from, you know, like stuff that you really couldn't imagine today. And it nothing to do with Bill, but just you wouldn't see that same kind of time given to, to get to know anybody. And, and Pete, what Pete said to me, he goes – so you're going to replace Mike? He goes, big shoes to fill. He goes, well, actually, <laughs> little shoes to fill. But How great is that? But that's like he did. He was like, big shoes to fill. And that's what he, he meant that right. as a compliment to Mike's professionalism and work ethic. For Patriots Football Weekly, we used to have, we called it Carol's Corner. Mm-hmm. So Brian, myself, or Brian and Paul, right, after that would go into his office and sit with him. And you get whatever, 10, 15 minutes, ask him questions. And we would run it as a Q&A. And so one I'm going to guess it was 99. We were in there. It might have been March. And we're doing our off-season Q&A for Carol's Corner. And a knock on the door. Uh, Coach, I just wanted to say goodbye. You know, thanks for spending time with me. It was great to be here. And Pete gets up. He goes, hey, that, that was great. You know, we'll be in touch. And then Pete looks at Brian, myself, and he goes, do you guys know who that is? And we said, no idea. He goes, that's Kevin Falk. You should get to know his name. And it was like those stories like that, fun, right? So they end up drafting him the next month, I believe, in the second round, if I have it right. And so those were the moments. Those are behind-the-scenes fun things. Like you mentioned a name, Matt, Paul. Like those are the things that start racing through my head. So here he is. He cuts his teeth uh, at Patriots.com, Patriots Football Weekly. What, Mike, what was the motivating factor for you to say, okay, I got to move away. I got to move on. What was going through your mind? And then where did you go? And let's tell the listeners and the fans about how you got to the worldwide leader. Definitely. So um, it was always my dream to be like Will McDonough, the late Boston Globe sports columnist. Um, I just uh, I, I admired him. And I had reached out to the Boston Globe and said, like, am I on the right path to possibly following that path, you know, to be like that. And the sports editor at the time, his name was Don Squar. He said, you're getting great experience. He said, one thing we'd be looking for if we were to hire you is a, a little more independence. So to not be employed by the team writing on them, but to show us that you could write on them at an independent outlet. I'm surprised the Globe would look down at um, at a team uh, site or a team, team media. But you know what's funny <laughs> about that is – you know, let's get back to Will for a second. You won't find a better champion of Patriots Football Weekly than Will McDonough was. That's interesting. Um, he was fantastic with us. He used to cite our work uh, on occasion in his Sunday notes. Um, Made he, you feel like you arrived, right, Paul, when you know, did that? Because that was my big me. fear. And, and, you know, I did it the opposite of Mike. I spent 11 years at the Herald, and I wasn't really getting the beat or the assignments that I necessarily wanted and then when this opportunity came, so I went the, the backwards path. Yep. I went from conventional or mainstream media to team-owned and operated media. And my one fear was that, not to be taken seriously. And when I get 
you know, when I tell you like Nick Cafardo at the time, another late great, you know, Boston Boston Globe writer, Kevin Mannix from the Herald, Ronnie Borges, Will McDonough, these guys were wonderful with the team and Big never time. never looked down their nose at us at all. And I think ever. It's, it's changed now, Paul. Like I, I think it would oh, be yeah. more it wouldn't be viewed the same way by newspapers. I think times have changed, but that's what it was at that time. And so I went back to my hometown newspaper in Framingham, Massachusetts, called the Metro West Daily News. And I, I was covering the team, but not as closely. Because unlike Patriots Football Weekly, where I was here every day. You didn't travel? No, didn't travel initially. Right. And there were times where I remember I was covering like a local flag football game you know, on a Sunday when the Patriots might have been on the road and my friends would say to me, what happened to those trips to Lambeau Field? <laughs> and so in a way it was like, well, I'm still doing it, but it was in a different form. And so was there a crisis of confidence there, Mike? You know, here's a, you know, your first jobs at Lambeau Field, you're working, you're covering this team, the team that you grew up with. I'm going to stretch myself because of the advice that I got. I'm going to work at my local newspaper and now I'm doing flag football games. Did I make the right, you know, what, what was going through your mind at this time? Definite crisis of confidence, Paul. I would say maybe about two or three years after I made the decision where I was like, nothing's really happening. There's no advancement. I hadn't, I, you know, I, I, all I was doing was working. Hadn't met my wife, my now wife at the time, and I was sort of like, "Is this all worth it?" No brew shows. No brew shows. Uh, although I think I had been going to some <laughs> brew shows at that time. You two do that <laughs> on your own <laughs> podcast, all right? But but I remember I, I actually said I think um, the life of a teacher would be a mm. great lifestyle, and I would enjoy doing that. And I actually this was a time when the state was offering signing. Paul, you remember this? They yeah, were offering. I, I, I almost did the same thing. This is unbelievable. They were offering signing bonus, like, incentives to professionals who had been in the field for, you know, what, however many years to get into teaching. Because I think there was a teaching shortage, yep. if I remember Especially right, Especially male teachers uh, at, the, like, the elementary school level and things like this. And I, I, th there was just, uh, you know, you, it was, you started thinking, I like doing this. This is what I always wanted to do. How long can I go and make this little money? and substantiate it you know something's got to start happening so I, I know exactly what mike is talking about you have these sort of inner dialogues and trying to figure out what's best what's the next move took the test failed mm. the test which i say thankfully <laughs> stuck with it and what changed for me was the web and blogging 2002 2003 2004 reese's pieces pieces that was what what changed it for me and ultimately got me to from Metro West Daily News, 1999 to 2005, to the Boston.com, Boston Globe, 2005 to 2009. And then ESPN started up ESPN Boston in 2009. And it was a good time to go only because the Globe was up for sale. We didn't know what was happening. And it's been a great place to be. Wow. That's a really good story for any young person who A, wants to get into this business, but in any business of, like, when do you make the decision? How long are you going to stick with this? I got bills to pay. How long can I keep on going here? And following your heart, following your passion, nose to the grindstone, all of those good things, and it's going to work out if you believe and work hard enough. Is that, do you, is that what you're going to tell your kids, I think, Mike, you know, when they come to you looking for advice? I would tell them that, Matt, but I think sometimes it's luck too. Sure. 
you know? Sure. And, and I think, I mean, without getting too personal, I mean, at that time in my life, like, I, I was lonely. Like, that's one, I don't know if you read Adam Schefter's book, which I really admire him for. Like, he talked about being lonely and am I ever going to meet someone? I'm like, very personal stuff from him. Mm. And for me, like, I was sort of balancing the career stuff, but also, like, What's happening? Like, work do I want to be the work all, working all the time? Right. And that was where the whole teacher thing was appealing to me. Interesting. So I miss my, you know, like think about what we do. I mean, a lot of th- we're, we're well, our jobs are fun. We love them. Yep. We are working when most people are playing. Correct. I always say that, like the the sports journalism business, it it never closes. It's right. it's nights, it's weekends, it's holidays. You know, and like just look, just just this past year, we played the Patriots played on every holiday imaginable Correct. but you know so you just played on thanksgiving you just, you know we, we just went to minnesota and played on thanksgiving they play at dallas next year correct there's a chance you're going to play on thanksgiving again next year right um and i know a lot of people look at this listen, listen to this jerk you know he's complaining about having to cover the patriots for a living i'm not complaining about it it's right. what i chose to do right but there are different sides of it some people you know when Mike is talking about that teacher thing, and I, this is Mike's podcast, so I don't need to interject I love, I love how Doug. I come in on all of this. But I know like, I was I was working at the Herald, and this is when I was sort of coming to these crossroads in my mind because I loved working at the Herald. I loved the people I worked with, and there are a lot of people that you guys know and maybe don't love so much today. I'm looking at a couple of them on the monitor, Mike Felger and Tony Maz. That's why I get along so well with them doing – the stuff on the sports hub but we were all three of us kind of in the same kind of boat and you just wonder how to mike's point how am i ever going to meet somebody when i work thursday friday and saturday night from 5 p.m to 1 a.m or 7 p.m to 3 a.m doing racing or agate work in the sports department hoping that someday i can be will mcdonough well, no one's going to come down with a magic wand and say, I dub you the next Will McDonald. Right. Like, right. it's so, like, there's so much fortune and fate that gets, you know, this guy happened to be in the right place, right at, the place right at the time, right time, got an opportunity. And then, you know, I, I always tell the story about Bill Simmons, who was with us at the time, yeah, doing the same kind of stuff. Obviously, an incredibly talented guy. But it, it wasn't happening for him at the Herald, so we left. Right. You know, it's there's a lot of different paths. It's a lot of lot of ways to get to Grandma's house. Yep. Can I tell a story? I love stories like paths from the past. Like That's I was thinking, sh- I, I was thinking about this, coming down here, like shining a light on paths from the past, even more than even just the players. So along this whole topic, when that first year I was working for the team, 1997, we would travel, and we would get on the buses, go to the air, airport. And they had an athletic trainer, team had an athletic trainer, Ron O'Neill. Salt, salt of the earth guy. Now, to your point, Matt, you had asked me before, like, wh- what was it like for you? Like, were you intimidated? Like, I was very impressionable. It was my first year out of school. Sure. He was like a father figure hmm. to me. And, we, and I would always try to sit next to him on the bus. And, and we would, t- <laughs> Paul, I can't help it. And we would talk. And, and, and I'd say, what did you do last night? Well, I took took my wife out to dinner and he would tell and he gave me advice that I still remember to this day he said once a month every week we have date night and I'm going to give you some advice young Mike Reese <laughs> you're you're a young guy here you're, you're it's just you right now and um, you're going to move on in your life hopefully have a successful career and you might meet someone and when you meet someone it's going to be probably pretty easy 
because it's going to be you and that person. Now, you and that person might get together. You might try to have a life together. And then it's going to be you and maybe there might be some kids involved. And then it's no longer you and that person. And then it's you, your job, the kids. Never stop dating your wife. Wow. And I never, great advice. I, I never, and I just, but so I tell the story. One, I remember it like it was yesterday. And two, like being around the team, you're around great people, players, coaches that are at highest level. NFL, right? That if you're around it, you can't help but some of that rubs off on you if sure. you're paying attention, you sure. know? And I love, like, I think Pat's from the past, like Ron O'Neill. Great story. Shine a light. Great story. Well, th- that's, I mean, I'm more, I'm interested in those kinds of things. Like, so Ron O'Neill obviously made a huge impression on you. What are some of the other people? I mean, I know there's so many because, you know, got 20, 20 some odd, 25 years of this. Yes. Like, who were some of the other people that really stood out to you? Is made such an impression i i do have to give bill belichick credit because i think in general paul he brings in people that are pretty impressive not not you never hit 100 right or no. never bat 100 you know but to me like the nate solders th- those are like personal to me because when he's going through um the testicular cancer and to see him fight through that and share that you know and um, so that's one, like, current day, you know, the Matthew Slaters and the Devin McCordys, like, you learn a lot mm. from, from, from being around them, and hopefully maybe they even learn something from talking to you. I'd like to think that it's two-way street, you know? Interesting. Um, yeah. Devin McCourty's definitely in my top five. No of question. my 23 or whatever years. Yeah. Mike, you mentioned Schefter, and you're talking about his book. And Patriot fans know you now as Mike Reese ESPN. It's a big company. <laughs> Uh, hard to make your mark, Uh, maybe pressure to do something to make that mark. As you come from team-owned media to a small suburban newspaper to now, I've said it a couple times here in this conversation, the worldwide leader, and I don't say that they are. They're all about that. What have you learned there? and What are some of the lessons that you've learned, you know, that you've taken with you maybe from Patriots Football Weekly that you use today at ESPN? So no, another story, when we were at Patriots Football Weekly, the Crafts, who wanted us to be great, hired people to work with us. Um, and one of them was John Dennis. Do yep. you remember? He had a company yep. called MediaWise. MediaWise. I should have brought that packet in, Paul. I'll bring it into. I still have the literature. And who used to work with your dad <laughs> on <right>. television. <laughs> you want right. to talk about Channel a small 7? world. Right? That's right. That's unbelievable. It is. And he would come in and work with us. And, Matt, what I took from that experience was John Dennis said, look at your little press pass right here. Think of how many people would want to have that press pass. You have a privilege with this press pass, but also an obligation. You get to ask questions that the person at home wants to ask, but can't. So you need to serve that audience. And that's the part that I learned from him, from Patriots Football Weekly, from one of my first days on the job, that I take, I try to, I take that seriously. And, and I think you and me, Matt, we've talked off air, you know, that sometimes, like, I feel an obligation to be in a certain situation to say, like, if we don't ask this, we're not doing our job. Like, what's our purpose here to serve the fans? And, Mike, you've talked about, and this isn't a new role, okay, and it's one that maybe fans don't understand a lot. The fans will watch fifth quarter. 
or they'll watch Patriots.com and they'll listen to Bill Belichick after the game. And after the game, a reporter asks Bill Belichick, Coach uh, Hunter Henry, Minnesota, catch, no catch, well, you know, how did you see it? And Bill's never going to take the cheese as far as that's concerned, but the first thing out of his mouth is, pool reporter? Yeah. Mike Reese, maybe maybe the fans don't know this, holds that role as the pool reporter. Mike, you talk about the ser- how serious you take the nature of your job. We're not saving lives, and I know you know that. Yeah. But you also take this seriously, and you feel a responsibility. Maybe educate the fans a little bit about what that is like to be the pool reporter and have to go ask Carl Sheffers or whoever the Carl Sheffers was in Minnesota those kind of questions. Yeah, so every beat uh, core around the NFL, so 32 teams, they designate one or two pool reporters that if there's ever a question about the interpretation of a rule, that reporter asks on behalf of all the reporters to hopefully provide a better understanding to everyone as to why that call was made. And so you you have to be at the games. So I think by default, and you've both probably noticed this, the traveling media is sure. much less than sure. it used yeah. to be. Um, thankfully, ESPN still sends me to all the games. I hope that continues. So that puts me among a very small group that's eligible to be the pool reporter. And so play like Hunter Henry in Minnesota happens, inevitably everyone just looks down and says, can we have a pool report? Or I might look and say, do we agree we want a pool report? And I might say to everyone, can you send me what you want me to ask? That happens organically, Mike? Usually. Okay. Usually. That's pretty I mean, interesting. Yeah. 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 And, and we had a few this year. Uh, like the Minnesota one was just, just what you had, the one in the Raiders, I think, right? With the disputed touchdown for Keelan Cole? Yes. Was that the only two? Or and then we did one, and I'm curious. Cincinnati. We the, did the, the Cincinnati, the, the forward progress. Forward progress on Ramondre Stevenson's fumble. Right. So, there so that's three. three pool reports in that's, one year. That's a heavy lift. And and I relatively, you know what I'm saying. I'm I not, do. Well, oh, the only reason that's heavy, Matt, is I, 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 you can't be in two places at once. No. And if you're doing that, that means you're not in with Bill Belichick. And right. then um, Paul mentioned, you know, like Felger and Maz. Like what's changed in, in our business is now everyone's not just listening to the answers. There's an accountability to your question. And if, oh, they might say on the, you know, most listened to talk radio station, how come no one in the media asked this, which might be a fair criticism, but it also might be because I I, I wasn't wasn't in the room or I just messed up. Right. You know? So Mike, you're sitting there and you're talking about, you know, that the pool, no pun intended here, because we're talking about pool reporter, has shifted and changed a little bit from travel. Yet, this is my perception, as I look at the people who cover the Patriots on a local level, if you compare that group to what other teams do, I have to believe that outside of the Dallas Cowboys, you're looking at the largest media contingency to cover a team. Is that a fair statement to make? It seems pretty high. It's Um, big. Yeah, it's big, but it depends on where. So, like, it's big on a, on a daily basis. Right. Because yeah. you're pulling in all the, the TV stations from around New, no, Rhode Island, Boston. Sometimes New Hampshire will come down, Maine, um, and then the, the smaller local papers. But then you go on the road, and oh, you yeah. really start to see it dwindle down. But in terms of a day-to-day, I, I, I think Matt is probably – I mean, I think the New Yorks are probably – comparable philly maybe you think philly yeah maybe yeah Yeah. but like there's some that have like a handful of people that's right that are there on a wednesday right so mike 
that to me not necessarily makes it has to happen but if you're covering this team you want your voice heard whether that's in print whether that's on the radio whether that's on tv and it's hard to do that on this beat okay um you've covered bill belichick since he's been here um since he was hired in 2000 there's been a lot of noise in 20 something years about Geez, you know, why would I go to a Bill Belichick press conference? I'm not, he's not going to say anything. You've made a life, 20-something years of going to Bill Belichick press conferences. And one of the things that I admire about you is when, one of the many things, is when there's a pandemic, you can't go to the press conference. But if there's a virtual availability, you're there. If there's an in-person availability, you're there. Why is that important to you? So I feel like we, we have that responsibility to the fans. And, and how bad would it look if, okay, Bill Belichick, it's 7.30 for his day after game Zoom, and Stacey James does a great job with the media relations, calls out, all right, um, where Coach Belichick is here. Uh, do we have any questions? And if no one is there to ask or no one raises their hand, I feel like that would shine a very bad light on like what are we even doing here you know and so I, I'm I don't want to say I'm that, that that I hold that up but like that's why I, I make it a point Matt to be there because if he's going to have an availability I feel like we should be there to make it what it's meant to be which is an availability to further educate inform the fans and while we can't control his answers we can control hopefully the quality of our questions and his answers can be very maddening to people, both the fans and to the media who are the conduit to the fans who just want to be able to, why did this happen? Why is he playing? Why is he not playing? All the different things that the media asks. I don't think you feel that way. I'm, I'm sure you've been frustrated. Sometimes you get singled out unfairly. People will talk. To, or, fairly, or fairly. Right, or fairly. <laughs> or, um, but people go, geez, why, why, why did he have it in for Reese today? You know. Yeah. But you've been doing it like for 23 years. What have you learned about covering Bill Belichick that uh, has helped you as a reporter and maybe helped make you a better writer, more informed reporter. So so I do disagree with, and Paul, I think you're going to disagree with me, but that's okay. I, I do disagree with those who say he doesn't say anything because I do think there's times that he does say stuff. Now, it might not be in black and white, and it might you might have to interpret it or, yeah. you know. No, I think sometimes it, there's, there's things there. I think it's more by omission. But I, I think there's sometimes that it's, that there's stuff there. So I think that's that's my thing. What I've learned is just always show up, always try to be prepared to ask questions. And and Matt, you said like sometimes you get you know singled out unfairly or honestly, Matt, sometimes fairly. Sure. Because sure. you know what, we're that's not, not we're fair not to say it that way. And and You're we're right. not because we're not perfect. And yes. sometimes sometimes I will ask a question. Everybody and, misses. And I'll yep. be like, oh my god, what like one that didn't come out the way I intended it to, mm-hmm. and like. What was I thinking in that moment? Which reminds me of a story. Can I do? Oh, wait, you yeah, t- Mike. Okay, that's why you're here. My the first time I ever asked a question to Bill Belichick, how nervous I was, and I remember the question, and I, my I, so I would. This was going back to early 2000s, and so I remember I wasn't working for the team. I was right. at the small local paper, so I wasn't traveling with the team at that time. But I was showing up. On a, you know, a, mostly a daily basis, or Tom Curran was doing it, so maybe I was showing up every now and then. I don't remember. Were you sitting but in the front row back I then? I wasn't in the front <laughs> row back then. I was, I was scoping it out. And I think I finally got the courage to ask a question. 
because I was, I mean, I'm always impressed with the young reporters who come in and just let it rip right away. Like, I was really nervous to ask a question to Coach Belichick. And so I finally got the courage, and it, I, I, I can just imagine how it came out, and it was, you have a defensive back named Leonard Myers <laughs> um, <laughs> out of the <laughs> University Miami. of Miami. Um, what, what do you think he might be? be able to contribute to the I'm team. I'm sure it didn't boop, sound boop, like that. Boop, my heart beating through my chest. That's what I remember feeling I'm so at sure the time. it didn't sound no, like that. But but I like I do tell the story because I think it's important <laughs> for people to know like I was and, and I, I actually still do will will get nervous sometimes going on TV. Or like this is very comfortable because we know each other. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 but yeah. like sometimes you're on ESPN and they're coming to you and you're like, am I prepared? Am I health like am I in a good place right now? Like and the heart will start beating like right. And so I'll give uh, fans, listeners, a little bit of uh, maybe peel back a little bit behind the curtain where I've been with Mike. And, I'll, again, I'll repeat this at uh, the owners' meetings or the, the league meetings, the annual meetings, whatever they want to call them. And that's where uh, the coaches and Coach Belichick um, at breakfast, 830 in the morning, whatever it's whether it's Pacific Coast time or Eastern Standard time, and here comes Bill Belichick, and we've seen the famous memes with the orange juice and all different things like that. And Mike will spend the night before that, uh, or times before that, and he comes in with his notebook, and he's got 40 to 60 questions. And he'll sit there and he'll go, Matt, what do you think about this? Do you think I'm covered here? And I just think it's a great lesson for any reporter. You who have I don't 40 to 60 questions before a press conference? Maybe I couldn't maybe come up with 40 Paul, questions if, this is the annual meeting. Paul, if you said you can have a million dollars if you can write down 40 questions this for Bill the, Belichick. Yeah. I'm not sure I could do he that. He hasn't talked since the end of the year, so you're looking at a two-and-a-half, three-month period where they've signed somebody, somebody's lost, this coach left, this coach is coming. There's been a period of time. So it's not Wednesday before the Packers game. Let's, no, let's I, make yeah, sure we, no, you said that. Yeah. Okay. That was owners' meetings. 40 to 60 questions. That's impressive. And it's impressive, and I would want to sit there and say – that's the way to do the job. Like, that's somebody who's really putting in the time to do it. And I say that with so much respect, Mike, but I think that that's how you feel like you gotta, you've got to cover that. Yeah, and I, and I think we're going back to Coach Belichick, like knowing that a lot of those questions aren't going to get answered because he might not want to answer them. But I feel like if we're not asking him, like, what's our, what are we doing? Right. Like, it's not like we have to do it because he might. What's the, the chance he might answer it? And Absolutely. then you have that information to pass along because ultimately I do believe going back to the John Dennis media wise first year at Patriots football weekly patriots.com we are there to be that in between the conduit to the, the 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 fans of the team that are investing their time their money their passion to know and if we're not at we're I, I don't want to let them down that's sort of the way I look at it so you've had some interesting stories here Mike you mentioned the question and you're well prepared is there a question that you remember asking and you're saying to yourself, there's no way in hell he's going to answer this. And all of a sudden, it's like a huge bit of cold water splashes you in your face. You go, oh, my goodness, he actually answered that. Do you, is there an incident that you can think of that, that maybe that happened? I have to think a little more on Coach Belichick, but I did have one other story I was going to tell you about a question where I was like, what was I thinking? Great. <laughs> So I want to say 2006, Patriots are going to play the Vikings. I want to say. Yeah, Monday night. Monday night. Yeah. Preparing. I, I believe it was majorly hyped game because it was, I think they were really good. Can't run against the Vikings Can't, defense. I think that the Kevin Williams and the Pat Williams, yep. maybe that. I love that, Matt. Yeah. Right on it. No, no. I, 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 there, I have another story that I won't bore people with. But, like, 
it was the old adage of so you're going to run it into a wall. Yeah. And yeah. didn't they play Chuck and Duck? Like they, they ran it, it on first times. down. Right. For nothing. Correct. And I believe they ran the ball fewer than uh, ten times in the game. Correct. And they said we're out. not going to do it out that. all over the place with Doug Gabriel, right. Troy Brown, Chad Jackson, Gaffney, <laughs> Chad Jackson. So. We're preparing for the loud Monday night environment. Minnesota can't wait for this. You know, Patriots coming in, three-time Super Bowl champion. And uh, how are you going to prepare for the noise? So we're all gathered around. This was Teddy Bruschi, not Bill Belichick. And I don't know what I was thinking, but total brain fart where I said, Teddy, how are you preparing for the noise in Minnesota? And you, you know how Teddy would have the look, guys. He sort of looked at me like I had five heads. Still be enough. And I said to myself, why is he looking at me like that? Like, this is where everyone's talking about the noise. He goes, dude, I play on defense. <laughs> that place going to be quiet when I'm out on the field. That's Brewski. That's the Brewski face. Now, because it was Mike, he answered it. <laughs> if it was someone someone else, Brewski would, wouldn't have been so nice. Right. I'm going to come back to you on the Belichick one. I can't think off the top of my head one that, no, that I was surprised good. he asked. So right, I would just say, answer. as Mike is trying to come up with you know, uh, an anecdote for for that with Bill. But I, I would just say, you know, a lot of people ask me, it's probably the question I get the most out of any question, is what is it like, you know, with, with Bill? And I would say I find him easy to cover for one reason. And I think, th- and the answer to that is, I think he's extremely consistent. Consistent. Um, you generally know what you're going to get. And when I, you know, and I know Mike said that I would disagree with him. And I, I probably do slightly disagree I think, like, more often than not, you don't get much. But what I've always felt that he does a good job of is it's not personal. And I've never taken it personal. And believe me, he's been upset with me uh, at various times in the past. I've never taken it personally. Now, where I – and I know that Mike will disagree with me on this. And, and this is where I know Mike and Tony come to your defense a lot when they're dealing with the press conferences and picking apart everything that, yeah. that Bill says and why does he have to do that? I kind of think there are times where I think he should be a little bit different with various members of the media that, are, that, that to me have proven, like Mike, that they're more prepared, more professional, and they deserve more. And I think sometimes I get frustrated with Bill when he gives Mike a hard time. It's not often. And Mike always says, no, no, I didn't take it that way because that's Mike. That's Mike. He's just always professional and he's always prepared. So you don't take it that way. But I think I do sometimes on your behalf. And I'm like, he doesn't have to answer that question all snarky like that for Mike. That's Mike. Right. It's not the guy who's been on the beat for three minutes. Right. Who asked a dumb question. Mike didn't ask a dumb question. Right. He's asked. It's a fair. It's a fair question. Right. And it deserved a better response. That's where I sort of probably disagree with Mike a little bit. And I could be wrong on this, and I would have to go back and check my accuracy, but one thing I would be surprised at would be like any time he would, would answer about an injured player. So if I remember Gerard Mayo with a knee injury, one time he might have been asked, you know, what's it look like for Gerard? You know, going to be tough to see him back this season. And I remember maybe falling off my chair at the time to say, when when has he ever confirmed an sure. injury? So something that's interesting. Something like that's that a good point, would Mike. be one. And that's why those injury questions are tough, guys, because I do I do remember times where he's actually given it up, but it's probably such a low percentage of a time. That you don't know whether it's worth it to ask. Correct. But that's one of those John Dennis's, like the conduit for the fans questions. And I know people all the time, like, why do these media guys have to waste Bill's time? Right. By asking about an injury when you know he's not going to answer it, 
and I'll you just never I, know. I, but I'll even I'll even su- submit. Yeah, he's never going to answer it, even though there are examples right. when he has. I'll say doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter if Mac Jones has a high ankle sprain. I need to ask Bill his thoughts about Mac Jones's high ankle sprain. Right. I have to do that. Right. If I don't, then I'm depriving the fans of an opportunity to find out when Mac Jones might be. No y- question. And, and that's that's the bottom line. Right. And a lot of times, they, you know, like that's a dumb question. Why why do they ask those questions? We we do ask a lot of mundane questions. Right. But a lot of them are questions that you have to ask. Like you can't go to a press conference and not ask about the quarterback. Sure. Health. Right. When he when it's in question. Right. So Mike, maybe this is a dumb question. Um, what's the your most enjoyable moment covering the team? It's a softball. I don't know if it's a dumb question. So the moments that I find most enjoyable are are when you have a breakthrough with a player that you've built a relationship with in the locker room. I know I never would have gone to Paul. And because to me. So much of this is relational, Matt. Like, I love I love covering one team because you go from the start of the season and you start from point A and you see the team, you know, grow over time and you get to know the players to a, a small percentage. But to me, that's much more enjoyable than trying to cover all 32 because I, I, I think it's hard to cover just one. Sure. So, like, I'll, here's another story. Matt Light. Uh, left tackle, 2001 to 2011. Second round pick out of Purdue in 2001. Um, I think I, I had learned toward the end of his career that he had been playing through Crohn's disease. And I went up to him and in the locker room, and I said, um, you know, I don't want to impose on you. I don't want to overstep my bounds. Um, but it came to my attention that you might have an inspiring story to tell over something you're dealing with. Um, and you know Matt. You, you can just imagine what his response was. Boss, I don't know what you're talking about, but you know, maybe someday I'll get back to you on that. You know? And then he retired. And, I'll ne- and it, was, it was like I covered him for his whole career. Correct. And I was in, I remember, I was in the basement of my house. The phone rang, and it was like, 317 or you know because they think he's from indianapolis and you always wonder oh maybe this is one of those like telemarketing calls or whatever and and he it was on the other end of the line he goes hey boss it's uh, matt light what's going on matt what are you doing like what you've never called me before he goes uh, remember that time you came up to me in the locker room and were talking to me he goes i think i'm ready to talk about it now and you know to me like that those are the type of things that that um not that you do it for that, but right. like it, it meant a lot to me because I had no idea. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, um, but there was a time and a place, and I had been conflicted on that as a reporter, whether I had an obligation to really say, reveal it before that. Um, my instinct told me no, you know, like that, that's someone's personal information, um, but you could make the case that maybe I I didn't do a great job on that, but to me, those type of moments are the ones that stand out. And of course, man, like the Super Bowls and well, I, I uh, figured I was I was throwing him a lollipop, and he was going to give me th- Super Bowl thirty six. Yeah, I, I just, mean, on right? on field, I think Mike and I would be lockstep on that when when Adams kick went through. But I, I I agree with his mindset, and I don't have anywhere near the amount of those kinds of stories that Mike has because when you cover the team. You know, working for the team, it's a little bit of a different. No question. You're not necessarily you you know, scouring, but you're not scouring for news. 
you're more analytical with the team, personnel, stuff like that, trying to figure out what they're going to do. But a very similar kind of thing. When Rodney Harrison came here, and that's why I would put Rodney Harrison in, a, in that group with, with McCourty, you know, top fiver of all time. I wanted to sit down and do a big feature for, for the newspaper and, you know, just kind of, a, you know, a background career retrospective kind of thing and how we ended up here. We all know the, fit, the free agent story. That was part of it. And I got some time with him in the locker room, and he was working out. By the time I ended up starting to talk, and this is a feature, so I want, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to talk to him, not, you know, two or three questions and move on to the next guy. So it was really quick. It was rushed at the end of the, the you know, the, the open locker room period. And I figured, well, I could probably write it next week. I'll get him another time and ask more questions. So, you know, whatever. I thanked him for his time. And locker room ended. That night I get home and I get a call from Rodney Harrison. How great is that? Who had asked Stacy who I was. Didn't really even know. He knew my name because I introduced myself. Didn't even know who I was. He said... I was talking to the kid that works for the team newspaper today, and I didn't get a chance to finish. And I know he had more questions to ask me. I was on the phone with him for an hour, right. talking about my kids, talking about my wife. I love it, Paul. Talking about his kids. Um, I think it was shortly after Christian was born. I, knew, I know you'll know that Rodney has a son named Christian. That's awesome. Um, it was probably one of the most memorable interviews I ever had. And that's the kind of stuff that you remember – I don't have any of those anymore because I'm not in the locker room every day. And when COVID, like once COVID happened, we went those two years without really being in the locker room. These guys that are on the team now, I don't know them. Right. And that's what you miss. Those personal relationships are what you miss. And that's why the one time I went in the locker room all year was the day after the season, just so I could talk to Devin McCourty. And just, you know, not that he needed to hear from me. I wanted to say goodbye to him just in case he decides right. to retire. Right. Has has Mike, has that made, has the COVID and no access, no personal access, um, ha, did you find it harder to do your job in when things started? To, and it was kind of layered, you know, how that opened back up. You must have been very thankful that Andrews was still on the team, that McCordy's still on the team, that Slater's still on the team as you're trying to cultivate and um, – begin new relationships Matt I was so appreciative that the locker room opened back up because I really thought once we went all zoom with COVID that we were never getting back in there and I just think to me that the coverage I never felt like it was as good because you couldn't develop the relationships and so that was huge to me um, that that happened and I think back to Will McDonough we mentioned his name uh, earlier and he had always said, just always show up. Even if you're not going to write anything or say anything, like community event if you can, like just let them know that you're, that you're there. You know? And so you can't do that in, in a COVID world. It's all through the screen. So how do you connect with someone through a screen? You know, to me, like we're, the three of us are sitting here right now. We can look in each other's eyes. We can see body language, right? We can play off each other. Like you, can't do that through a screen. You're so right. We're going to wrap things up here in a second. We've taken up enough of your time, but just another behind-the-scenes story that I think fans would find interesting about Mike, and I would see it here on the home games, and it was every week. Um, in this digital age where everybody's got to have a photo, everybody's got to have a tweet, everybody's got to post something, 
and it's got to be instant, and you're competing with an awful lot of other people out there, the sight of seeing Mike Reese, <laughs> and he started it, I think, and then others sort of followed suit. But Mike was always at the garage door right by the south end zone, and he would always get there an hour or so beforehand, and he'd be waiting in the tunnel for the guy with the glasses and the best-dressed guy in the stadium to come walking in every single Sunday, and he made it a point. you got to show up. He was there, and Tom knew every week that Mike was going to be there, and Mike had a shot or a video of Brady walking in every single week week and you made it a point to do that didn't you I, I enjoyed it and I think it goes back to our whole thing of that we are serving the fans you're taking them to a place where they can't they otherwise be and that goes back to to bring this whole thing full circle and Patriots Football Weekly Patriots.com right what I learned from John Dennis from the crafts Robert and Jonathan because you made the point Paul like a lot of the, the web stuff was Jonathan 100% you know? and so to carry that on, like I am super proud of that. I'm super proud of where I started here. And um, I, I will just tell you, I, I think about Patriots all the time. You know, like family, work, live shows that we talk about. Um, it's been a huge impact on my life. And so I'm just so thankful and appreciative of that. All right, Mike. And what people don't, Mike's a big muckraker. He loves to rumor monger. Yeah. That's where he goes. Every once in a while, he gets one right. Sure. <laughs> Throws so, it up against the wall. So, Mike, we're going to put you in the hot spot here yeah. as we're entering into the beginning of, maybe it's already begun, the silly season. How much cap room do they have? Who's coming? Who's going? Give Patriot fans an idea of maybe what they should be looking for. I'm not going to sit here and ask you who are they going to sign, who's coming, who's going, but you have an informed opinion. You know, you've covered the team for a long time. Let a Patriot fans know what Mike Reese is going to be looking for and maybe they should be looking forward in the upcoming six weeks or so as we get ready to hit free agency before the draft. Yeah, the, the one that interests me the most is Jacoby Myers because he, I think he's their top free agent. And what is his market financially? You know, $10 million a year, $12 million, million a year, $14 million a year. You've developed him. He's come up through your program. You know him. And to me, the most successful teams are the ones that re-sign those guys as long as it all works out. But if you do that, it's going to take you away from going to someone else. And is he a, enough of a difference maker to warrant that significant investment? And so to me, when I think about ranking, okay, if you had to say what's the first thing you're looking for, second, third, fourth, like Jacoby is my number one because I, I think he's been great. And I think he really deserves whatever's coming to him. I never, I, I never would have guessed that. That, well, that would have been his number one. I never would have guessed that, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. And, I, I think it's, we, you and I have it. talked about it a lot. You, you know, I know we disagree on it a little bit. Right. Um, but um, just in general, Mike, um, I, I mean, this is kind of an yeah. open-ended question. Just yeah. like how far away do you think the team, and I'm not telling you, well, you. in three years they can do X, but, you know, how how many holes do you think that they can realistically fill this offseason? Because I think people think magically, you know, you sign a tackle or you draft a tackle in the first round, you re-sign Myers and maybe make a trade for a number one receiver and boom, you're back. Like, we all know it's yeah. not that easy. So I sort of look at AFC as, you know, the tiers, right? And you got the Chiefs. Bengals, and I think I'd probably put the Bills maybe sure. a little l right up there, yes, maybe a absolutely. little behind. 
you're, you're not in that tier. Not yet. And and I think to think you're going to get into that tier this year is, is probably, I would say, longer odds, right? It might take two years to get there. Paul, I think the, the whole coaching thing is what's hard for me to project. Like, how much of a difference will that make? Like, I, I believe we're going to see a totally different Mac Jones this year, but that might be optimistic. But I, I do think, like, Bill O'Brien and this whole coaching thing is going to make the product that we saw last year um, look – I mean, it wasn't great, right, what we saw last year, calling it what it is. I think it's going to look much better. So it's hard, you know what I mean? It's a little no, hard yeah. to look into the crystal yeah. ball. But I, I, I think I would say not far away, but to me to get to that top tier we're talking about, you're, you're probably looking at multiple years. His name is Mike Reese. When we kicked this conversation off, we talked about his roots as the original member for Patriots Football Weekly. Now, every Sunday when you wake up, don't take my word for it. Take somebody's word for it, like Mike Lombardi or Adam Schefter, who says... You must read Mike Reese's notes every Sunday. That's how you got to kick off your day. Mike, great stories, great stuff. Really appreciate the time that you took here. Love being with you guys. You guys are great friends. Thanks for the compliments. Let's do it again sometime. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.